But he says to his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? How many of you know that's prophetic? He's making a declaration of a future existence with us, us with him. He's preparing a place for us. There's hope. There's excitement. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That's a prophetic declaration. I'm preparing a place for you, and I will. I'll come back for you. I will come again and will take you to myself. And when I and where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, oftentimes we want to know specifics. We want to know details. He, Thomas made a statement to Jesus that was, he wasn't wrong as far as what he was saying from his perspective. He said, we don't even know where the place is that you're going. So if we don't know where you're going, how can we know the way to it? <laughs> right? And Jesus was like, you don't need your, a GPS. You don't need to know all the details. Turn left here, go three miles, turn right there, this or that and the other. I am the way, the truth, the life. And in all of the situations that we have in life, all the trouble, all the turmoil, it's easy for us to get distracted and focus on the stuff. And wonder, how in the world can we see our way forward through this? Well, Jesus answered it. He is the way. There are many opinions out there, many ideologies, many philosophies. What do we believe? He is the truth. He is the life. So it all comes back to Jesus, doesn't it? And that before we get into uh, prophecy and how we should interpret it, we should know that prophecy points to Jesus. It reveals Jesus. It exalts Jesus. It glorifies Jesus. It, that, that there are prophecies that don't, but then they're not prophecies, but, but then that's not in the Lord. Because if it's a prophetic word from the Lord, it's going to point you to Jesus. So we have this promise. Jesus died on the cross, went into heaven. He says, he tells them before it even happened, I'm going to leave you. I'm going somewhere you can't go with me right now, and I'm going to prepare a place for me 
and for you. If that wasn't the case, I wouldn't have told you that it was. And when I have prepared that place, I'm coming back for you. And you're going to be in that place with me forever. I tell you what, man. That's encouraging in any generation. That's encouraging in, 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 in any tri- uh, 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 troubling time. Because this earth will, will perish one day. Heaven and earth will pass away. The skies, the earth will cease to be what we know them to be right now, but his word will endure forever. And his promises are yes and amen. And so for our souls to be anchored, we need to find a sure anchor, and that sure anchor is Christ. I can't promise you good circumstances. Not even the Lord Jesus did that. As a matter of fact, he told us that there was going to be problems. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Right? As Conrad was talking about, he takes us from victory to victory, but that means there's battles between the victories. Right? And so we've got to embrace that reality, embrace that fact that if we want God to be glorified, we're going to have to embrace the battle. We're going to have to persevere. We're going to have to endure. We're, you know, we're going to have to fight the good fight of faith and trust God through it all and be more concerned with his glory than the outcome we desire. Are you hearing me? They didn't want him to leave, but he had to go because he had to pay the penalty for our sin. He had to die for our sin and and raise again for our justification. Amen? They didn't want that. They loved him. But it had to happen. Because he did it, we have victory in him. And there's a lot of things we'd rather not have to walk through. But we've got to if it's the will of God in order for us to walk in the victory that we have in him to his glory. And for people to see that our God is greater than the mountain that's before us. That our God is greater than the challenges we face. Jesus promised them he would return for, for them. And I'm going to give you some, some facts that I may surprise you, but I believe it will encourage you. Do you know the second coming of Jesus Christ is prophesied 1,848 times in the Bible? Eighteen hundred and forty-eight times. The Bible speaks about the second coming of Christ eight times more than it spoke about his first coming.
Almost every book in the New Testament and roughly one out of every 30 verses in the New Testament talks about the second coming of Jesus Christ. One in every 30 verses. And here's one. In Scripture, the only thing covered more than the second coming of Christ is the doctrine of salvation. All of these facts tells me that God wants and expects his saints to understand the mysterious truth concerning the end times and the second coming of Christ. He talked about it. I only spoke on the first part of the uh, Olivet Discourse last week. He spends the whole chapter of 24 and 25 talking about his return. And we'll, we'll get back into that over the, over the coming weeks. But it tells me this being second only to the doctrine of salvation, and we know how important the doctrine of salvation is to God. We have the Great Commission because he wants everyone to be saved, giving everybody an opportunity to be saved. He's not slack concerning his promise, but his long-suffering toward us that, 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 that all may come into repentance. Amen? He wants everyone to come to him who will. He gave his only begotten son so that whoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's done everything possible to make it easy for us to come to him and receive the glorious salvation of the Lord. And then he put in his Bible a myriad of abundance of verses that speak to his second coming. And before we delve too deeply into that mystery of biblical prophecy and the end times and the second coming, of Christ, we must know a little bit about what is required of us in order for us to properly interpret it. What heart should we have? What mindset should we have? You know, one of the things I'll just come out and say right now, you know, too often we, when we read the, the word of God, we're reading it through the filter of some other ideology or philosophy or, uh, or the like. And that colors how we interpret scripture. We're not coming really humbly and open and allowing the word of God to speak to us in spirit and in truth. And so we've got to lay aside uh, 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 humanistic ideologies and, and, and so forth. You know what? We've even got to lay aside our politics. I know some people are probably turning off the computers and no, 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 no. He said the word that shall not be said. But we've got to learn that when it comes to the word of God, uh, it, it it needs to be sanctified. It needs to be set apart. It needs to be untainted by the ideologies and philosophies of the world. And if we're going to worship him in spirit and in truth, then 
This is truth. The word of God is truth. Anything mixed into it taints the truth. Are you hearing me? So it's important that we set this apart. Right? If we don't, then we will let our philosophical or ideological battles cause us to think, cause us to believe we're walking in righteousness when we're walking in unrighteousness. Because we're not judging it by the sanctity of the word, we're comparing ourselves to the people who think differently. And because we're better than them, we're well off. No. Forget the comparisonism. It's not about you versus somebody else. It's about how we stand before God. It's about, it's about whether we have fully avail ourselves to the word of God, the unadulterated word of God. Unfiltered, untainted, pure word of God. Because we want to walk in truth before God. Are you hearing me? And so one of the things that's required of us is that we love the truth. Not be lovers of the lie or whatever or lovers of our own will, but that we love truth. And I'm just going to get some scriptures in here. Uh, you see where freedom is who I am right now? That's going to be replaced here pretty soon. I don't know what time, what date. I'm a little slack on it. it drives Johnny crazy, but we're going to get it done. In his place will be John 17, 17, which says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. See, we're going to have to acknowledge the word as holy. We're going to have to regard it as holy. It, we have to sanctify the word in our hearts in order for us to be sanctified by it. But Jesus said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Again, I have said it at times before. I don't know what your favorite news sources are. I don't know what your party affiliations are. I don't know what your philosophies and stuff on life are. What I do know is that none of that stuff should be tainting the word of God. None of that stuff should be put on above the word of God None of that stuff should be put on the same level as the word of God because there is only one truth. None of the man-made stuff has any part in this. And in order for us to see that in its true sense of what it is, to see it for what it is, we're going to have to be strongly in God's word. We're going to have to be secured and anchored in his truth in order for us to see what is true and what is a lie. What is really important, what is kingdom of heaven related, and what isn't. Because you and I are witnesses for him. We're supposed to be. 
And are we being witnesses in spirit and in truth? All right, well, but Jesus says sanctify them in the truth. So we got to love the truth. Your word is truth. He wants us to be sanctified in truth. John 8, starting at verse 30 says, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So he said to the Jews who believed in him, that we're going to have to be believers, right? That's going to be a requirement. We're going to have to be believers in order for us to even see the truth, recognize the truth, be able to walk in the truth. We got to be believers. So as he was saying these things, many believed in him. And he said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That means you can believe and not be a disciple. But we're going, but, but he called us to make disciples. He wants us to be disciples. If we're going to sanctify the truth, the truth is going to become a reality in our lives. We're going to need to go beyond belief and, and, and being satisfied with the fact that our names is written in the Lamb's book of life and, and our spiritual situation is good. He tells these new believers, abide in my word. His word is true. Abide in my word and you will truly be my disciples. And you will know the truth. In the abiding in the truth, then you come into intimate knowledge of the truth. You're dwelling in the truth. You are walking in the truth. Abide in it. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You know, if you're worried about current events, the state of this country, how crazy people are getting, the truth can set you free. If you're anxious about what the future holds and, 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 and what the makeup of Congress will be at 2022 and who will be in the White House in 2024 and what that will mean for this generation and generations to come, the truth will set you free. Kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall. Administrations come, administrations go. But God remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Amen? There's no God like our God. He alone is God. And of all the people who should know that, we should. Right? So it doesn't matter if power changes hands from one party to the next or who's in the White House with it, because there's one God. And all authority rests in his hand. And he has my future secured in his hand. So if everything goes to pot, right? And and they start wiping us out. Well, guess what? We inherit the promise, right? Fear not those that can harm the body or kill the body. Fear him who after
after killing the body can also condemn the soul. So God has redeemed us. We have our eternal security in him. What happens on this earth is not the final say-so, right? So, so, so there is a hope in him, and that hope is not like a wish, like I hope I win the lottery. No, when the hope that we have in him, there is a trust, there is an expectation, there is a knowing that the promise of God is, is sealed, is secure. It is not a wishful hope, it's an expectant hope of that which you know will come to pass, just like they expected the Messiah to come the first time. They weren't wondering if he would come. It was only a matter of when. So their hope was in faith, fully trusting and believing, not, man, I'm hoping he comes. I don't know. And just as he fulfilled every prophecy pertaining to the Messiah's first coming, we can take security in that and and let our hope rest in the fact that he'll continue to fulfill those prophecies because he's already confirmed he is the Messiah. And the Messiah who came one time is going to come again. So let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus. In his father's house are many rooms. If it were not the case, he wouldn't have said it. He went to prepare a place for us and he will return for us. So in our interpretations of prophecy and all that other stuff, you know, it, it, it may be cool uh, to play. Uh, what, what, what's that we used to, oh my goodness, uh, drew a doggone blank where you go around town and try to find certain locations and scavenger hunt yeah you know it may be fun to try and do a turn prophecy into a scavenger hunt and and here's what's going to happen in this city and here's what's going to happen in this country and here's what's going to happen at this time you know what all of that is nonsense really because scripture has told us all we need to know about what to about what's to come and it's also given us the perspective that we should have through all of this let your hope continue to be strong through all of this know what it's leading to it's leading to the fulfillment of the promise that our lord and savior gave that he would return right all of this is pointing to the return of the king Details don't matter as much as that truth does. But you're going to have to be a lover of the truth, set the word apart, prioritize the word. Don't go into the word trying to um, trying to confirm your ideology trying to justify what you already believe or think. You need to go into the word humble. With the heart attitude of, maybe I don't know what I think I know. Maybe I'm not as wise as I think I am. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. 
right? So when we go into the word of God, let's do it with the reverent awe. Let's do it with the respect. Let's do it with the fear of the Lord. If we go that way, then we're inviting God to convict our own errancy. God, I may not be seeing this thing with clear eyes. I may not be seeing this thing from the right perspective. And when I go into the word of God, I want you to deal with me. Where I am in error, where I have missed the mark, I want you to convict me because it's my heart desire to hit the mark. I want to walk in spirit and in truth. I am not so determined or so vain or so desirous to be right I am not so desirous to be right that I, uh, that I am unable for you to convict me where I need to be convicted. So let the word of God reveal you to you. God, how do you see me? What, what, what flaw? errors in my thinking or in my attitude? What are the spots and wrinkles that you want to deal with me in? Because I want to be like Jesus more than I want to be right. To me, that's, that's consecrating the word of God in your heart. <laughs> it's like this word of God I'm not going to weaponize it against other people. I'm going into the word of God so that God can speak to me. Speak to me what his will is to me. What he's saying to me, what he wants me to do. What he wants me to stop doing. That's the attitude we should be going into, uh, we shouldn't be running into the word of God for other motives. If we do that, then we're abiding in his word. Then we're behaving like disciples. And we'll find that the truth, we'll come to know it and it'll set us free from a lot of the issues that are affecting our hearts and our minds. I think that believers, more believers in all are having mental health issues as well, and a lot of that can be addressed in truth, with truth. John 16, starting at the 12th verse. Jesus said, and we're still talking about truth. You got to be a lover of the truth. And uh, he said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. When the spirit of what? When the spirit of truth comes, he guides you into all the what? I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but I hear some clicking back there. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he, the spirit, will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. 
for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. One th- again, if we're going to say that this is what the Spirit of the Lord has said to me, and I'm going to declare this, I'm going to prophesy this and declare this, then we better be able to discern whether or not that is of the spirit of truth or not. Right? And one characteristic of it, Jesus has said of what the Holy Spirit will do. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, says Jesus. He will glorify me. The Spirit of God will. Right? So, if someone's speaking and it's supposed to be led by the Spirit of God and it ain't glorifying Jesus, you better question it. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. First Timothy 6, verse 20. It says, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. See, not all knowledge is knowledge. There's stuff we're arguing and debating about, and we're, we're debating based on what each side calls knowledge and none of its knowledge. It's one side of the same humanistic coin. One side or the other. Two sides of the same humanistic coin. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. I'm going to, I want to read that in the Amplified. And I'll get there eventually. Oh, Timothy, guard and keep safe the deposit of godly truth entrusted to you. You know, God has deposited godly truth to us. And we're going to have to guard it. Protect it from getting tainted by that which is not godly truth even if it feels good to us, even if I can say my side is better than your side because of A, B, and C over here. That may be the case, but that's not truth. It's not godly truth. It's what we do when we want to, uh, when we want to be, we want to win, we want to feel superior than the other side. It's, 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 a, it's a little bit of an ego stroke. But I want to warn you, saints of God, Jesus dealt with the same issue when he walked on the earth. And the people that he warned against were the religious people who were the religious leaders, the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, and all this. And he said, beware of that leaving. Right? 
that leaving he was talking about was self-righteousness. Right? And if we're not rooted in more than the truth, if we're not humble before God's word to realize that we can be just as flawed and just as, just as errant as, 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 as unbelievers can if we're not rooted in this, if we're not walking as disciples of the Lord. And once we start comparing ourselves to other people and feeling good about that and thinking that we're in a good place because we're not like those people are, then we're getting into self-righteousness. And that's a leaving that will take us to a dark place spiritually. And we'll start justifying that we shouldn't be justified. And it will diminish our witness and our ability to be the light that we're supposed to be in this dark generation. So we've got to get out of the comparing business, right, and, 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 and get into the love of truth business. Um, the, I guess I didn't uh, read the full amplified version of it, but old Timothy, guard and keep safe the deposit of godly truth entrusted to you. Turn away from worldly and godless chatter with its profane empty words and the contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. You know, if the knowledge that we are espousing contradicts what is clear biblical truth, Right? Then, 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 then that's a problem. We've got to guard against that. We've got to turn away from that uh, profane, empty words and get ourselves in line with the truth. We've got to love the truth of God's word so much that we're willing to sacrifice being right in comparison to other people. Because <laughs> we don't want to be right in comparison to other people and be wrong before God. which some have professed and by doing so have erred, missed the mark, and strayed from the faith. Grace be with you. So when you get into the word of God, it, 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 it's, it's time to lay bare and be what Paul said when he said, all of my education is but dung to me. My heritage is dung to me. My status is dung to me. I consider all of that done in comparison to the excellency of knowing Jesus. I want to know him as Savior. I want to know him as the salvation, but I also want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know him. So all of that stuff, I can take pride in my heritage. I can, I can take pride in my race and my ethnicity. I can take, take, I can take pride in my party affiliation or my educational achievements or my professional achievements, all that. But at some point, I got to realize that those things, if I let them, they'll be my masters. Those things, as much as they might impress others, as much as they might impress myself, In the grand scheme of things, they don't matter much. What good is it if you got three PhDs if you spend eternity in hell? 
what good is it if you pass every piece of legislation that you think is the right legislation for our country and end up in hell? And everybody who agrees with that ends up in hell. What, 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 what good is it if people aren't introduced to Christ and reconciled with him? Right? So these accomplishments don't mean anything in and of themselves. What matters is what you do for the Lord. Uh, one other thing, and uh, it's a, some of this will go into next week. So we're going to have to be lovers of truth, even willing to love truth above our own vices, above our own desires to, to, to be right. <laughs> you, know, you know, truth is going to have to reign. And if we're humble before God, we will let truth convict us. I believe it was David that said, Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. He didn't say, Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might wield it against my enemies. But it was his personal conviction that I might not sin against you. And let, let that let that really speak to you. Uh, right now, I don't remember the exact uh, scriptural reference. I can get that to you later if anybody has a question about that, come and ask. But it just hit me in this moment, and I just had to give utterance to it. That word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I want to know your word so that I can walk in obedience to it so that I can walk in a manner that's pleasing to you, Lord. I love you that much. I want to please your heart. And that really should be our priority, don't you think? I got a few people that acknowledged that, admitted that. Maybe a few people needed a second to think about it. Uh, amen? All right. Y'all are on it today. And I want you to know before we get further into talking about the secrets of the kingdom that we have been given, all of us, not just uh, specially designated individuals, but all of us have been given security clearance by God to know the secrets of the kingdom. Everything that pertains to the end time, to the second coming of Christ, is not it's not uh, subject to a private interpretation. It's been laid bare for us. <laughs> what, what needs to be known, God has made clear. And, 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 and if we can appreciate that, then we'll be able to navigate these times in faith, in peace, in joy. We rest in secure, rest secure in our trust in knowing what the promise of God that the promise of God is soon to come to pass. Amen? So, it is for us, true believers, 
to know the mystery of the gospel. Matthew 13, verse 10 says this. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Right? We, his children. Now, I already read some verses when it talks about truth. That assumes we're his disciples. Right? That we're not, we haven't just stopped at the believing level and content there where, hey, I sure like that by grace you have been saved through faith. So, oh yeah, I believe Jesus is the Lord. Right? I believe he's my savior. But we're not living as though he's Lord of our lives. He's not directing us as he should. He's not, we're not giving him rule in our lives, right? If we are his disciples, we're abiding in his truth. And we shall know the truth, and the truth shall make us free, right? If we're abiding in his truth, then it's been given to us to know the secrets, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Are you hearing me? So he said, not everybody, you know, not everybody's going to be privy to the secret, but it's not because some people have the special privilege of knowing and others don't. It's rather the, 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 uh, the mark of delineation will be who's a disciple and who isn't. Who's putting in the work? Who is, who is sanctifying the word in their hearts that the word might sanctify them? Who is abiding in his word that you know the word? Who is hiding the word in their hearts that they may not sin against him? Right? Who is pursuing him through his word? There is no secret withheld from you as you engage him that way. Colossians 1, verse 27, and we've been going through Colossians in Bible study on Wednesdays. Uh, shameless plug, join us. On Wednesdays, 6 to 8, Wednesdays in the Word, uh, we have a great time in, in the Lord there. Uh, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. <laughs> God chose to make it known. Even among the Gentiles, that's you and I. The riches of the, there's a mystery that was revealed to us. And that mystery is Christ in us. The hope of glory. Right? We who were dead have now been made alive in Christ. What we were unable to do as far as conquering sin and being able to live in righteousness, Christ in us has begun to transform us. And to enable us to walk in a way that we were previously not able to walk in. He transformed our heart. He transformed our lives. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that hope of glory, though, the hope of glory is prophetic. There is a day coming. The glory of the Lord. He will return. And we will be with him and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Right? But that glory is already at work within us because it has made us a new creation in him. The old has passed. We are new creatures in Christ. But as a true believer, 
God has chosen to make known to us the mysteries of the kingdom. So the only issue, it's not whether God, it's not an issue whether God means for all of us to know it. He says in the new covenant, I will put my laws, I'll put my word, I will write it on their hearts and on their minds, right? No one will, they, they won't require people to come tell them what the truth of God's word is because they'll get it from me directly, right? So don't consider yourself less than because you didn't go to seminary, because you're not charismatic and, and, and all those other things, that doesn't mean you have any less access to the secrets of the kingdom of heaven than anybody else does. All of us as children of God have access. We just have to be pursuing. We have to sanctify the word in our hearts. Amen? We have to study to show ourselves approved. A workman that need not be ashamed but rightly divide the word of truth. Are you hearing me today? And I will read one more. Passage, Acts chapter 1, starting at the 6th verse. This will encourage you too, I pray. So when they had come together, this is after Jesus has suffered the cross. He has risen again. He has shown himself to hundreds of his followers. So he's dialoguing with his disciples, and many of them. He says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still, right, that's still where they're at, right? They, they thought he would do it before he died. Then when they died, they thought all hope was lost. And now he's raised again. Is, is this the time? That you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is this the time? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. We, we're going to need to come to grips with that. It's okay not to know all the details. It's okay not to know the times and seasons and all that stuff. The pursuit of those things cause us to err and miss the mark. And stray away from the truth of the faith. And he's telling them, it's not for you to know times or seasons. If, if, people, try to, if people try to impress upon you times and seasons, shut your spiritual ear off and just remove yourself from them. Jesus said, the resurrected Jesus said that. It's not for you to know. Times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will receive power not to know the times and the seasons and figure out all the prophecies, but to be my witness in every generation to the end of the earth. You, you just be focused on being my witness until the time comes. Stop worrying about how soon will the time come? How far away will the time come? It is intentionally written vaguely so that it can happen in any generation. So that every generation can be about the Father's business. And if that generation sees the coming of the Lord, praise the Lord. If they don't, then we're going to die believing and the next generation has the baton. And if it happens in their generation, praise God. If it doesn't, he's still coming. 
to keep going and keep going and keep going. It doesn't matter which generation it happens in. What matters is that it's going to happen. Just like he came before, he's coming again. And there's, there's hope. There's joy. There's rejoicing. I mean, that's encouragement in that. Amen? And so we don't have to com- overly complicate it and make it all convoluted. It's the simple, unadulterated truth of God's word. We can rest in it and be encouraged and strengthened by it. But you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. But it gets, it, it gets gooder. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, say this Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. He's coming back, hallelujah, with the same glory that they saw him leave, he's coming back. The glorious king, amen? And I would rather let that be at the forefront of my mind than worry about dates and seasons and generations. I, I, I just know he's coming back the same way he left. Amen? And when he comes, will he find faith among those that, <laughs> that remain? Amen? But he's coming. And Lord, and, 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 and when, when we do communion, what does it say? Whenever we do it, we proclaim the Lord's death until, until he comes. So even communion is prophetic, <laughs> right? And so there is so much in the word of God that speaks to his return, the second coming. And, and we, need to, we need to look through all the machinations of the events and all the hills and valleys and the reasons to be concerned and this or that and the other. And, and, and we need to have a plumb line in our spiritual vision. Like, like, Lord, you made a promise. And nothing that's happening in this world, nothing that's happening in my life is going to make me lose sight of the promise. I can still rejoice in these times because I know you're coming. Either I'll be alive when you come and probably be uh, uh, freaked out when I see the dead in Christ rising and all that stuff, or, or, or I'll be among those that come with you who, went, who, who, who died ahead of time. I died before you came, but I'm coming back with you. <laughs> We'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that. But whatever side that I see it, if I see it on this side while I'm still walking on the earth, or if I'm a participate as one who has left the earth, but I'm coming back with him in those clouds, to God be the glory. It's going to come to pass that our Lord and Savior will return. And when he returns, he's coming to get us. And he's going to take us to the place that he's prepared for us. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is good. God is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And before I bring this to a close, 
I just want to give, the, the Lord was doing something during worship today and, and uh, speaking to, to, uh, to, to issues of uh, anxieties and worries and, and down, gen, being generally down in the dumps and all the other stuff. And, and I charged you to do something with that when Jim gave that word. I charged whoever it applied to to do something with that. And I would like the opportunity to minister to you, to pray with you, uh, Christy and I, and depending on the number of people that it is, more of our leaders would like the opportunity to pray with you. And so I'm going to ask you to trust God with whatever your care, with whatever your worry, whatever your anxiety was, to transfer ownership of that to God. And I'm going to ask you to come up. Just be obedient to the call of God. Trust him in this. And just by your coming, you're essentially bringing that care. And then we're just going to, through prayer, we're going to transfer that officially to God. So whoever's here today, you got to care or worry um, whatever you want to call it, whatever this, uh, uh, the appropriate synonym is, just bring that up to God right now. And let us love on you and bless you. Hallelujah.